Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. check this podcast and today i had a few articles that i wanted to get together with some folks and talk about and today will be the first one of those we're going to talk about uh a town hall opinion piece called the culture war is a must for conservative policy so we're going to get into culture and politics and that kind of stuff but first i'm gonna let the guys introduce themselves uh kyle has not been on my show before even though i've been on his a couple times so kyle go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll let trey give his introduction again What's up, guys? Um, Justin, uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, Trey, it's nice to uh, meet you online. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name is Kyle Matovic. I run the In Liberty and Health podcast as well as play guitar in a band called A Common Crown. Um, in fact, I'm actually recovering a little bit after drinking about three quarters of a jar of root beer moonshine last night. So uh, forgive me if I'm not quite as articulate as I normally am. But uh, I am a libertarian. Uh, prefer My pronouns are Jack and Tan. I'm from southwestern Pennsylvania. Um, I'm a mechanic, personal trainer. Uh, guitar player and once again just uh thanks for having me man thanks for coming on kyle and trey go ahead and give your plugs again since you you've been here a couple times yeah uh, trey freaky daniel uh I, you know frequent tweeter and uh twitch streamer usually <laughs> um when, when i can anyway you know I like to play video games and uh you know talk about the kind of culture stuff a, a lot of times so uh that's that's sort of my plug all right <clears throat> so like I said, we're going to talk about a town hall piece, opinion piece called The Culture War is a Must for Conservative Policy. Now, we're going to talk about um, kind of the shift of culture over the last decade or, or really two decades, uh, honestly, and kind of where you all see culture, where you see it going, and also what you kind of what your takeaways from this article were. I'm, uh, I'm one of those terrible podcast hosts. Anytime I have guests on, I give them homework. So, uh, <laughs> So let's 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 start with just kind of the basics of the of the article. Um, just the first the first paragraph here is if you're a modern American voter, you've probably heard the term culture war more often than you can count. This topical phrase can be defined as an ongoing battle between the progressive left and the new right wing uh, regarding critical race theory, transgender and LGBTQ promotion, race pandering, foreign policy, virtue signaling, uh, in terms of Russia, Ukraine, and now also China and Taiwan. What did y'all think about that opening paragraph? Does that sound like kind of what you think of when you think of culture war? I think it's a little bit more broad sweeping as, as far as there, there's a lot more things to culture anyway. Like there, there are a lot of things that can be categorized under that. Like there's, uh, you know, things like the removing of Confederate statues. Um, there's, it's, there's a ton of things that you can categorize under the culture war, basically, because a lot of things are encompassed in the culture of America or, or you know, even even like in the in the South, uh, there's been sort of a, like a, a war against like Southern culture. So um, you, you can tell that there's uh, a, definitely a broad sweeping trying to shift to try to turn away from a lot of 
you know, the culture and make it make a homogenous culture like that. That's their goal is definitely to, to homogenize the, the, the culture for everybody. Right. Um, I think that sums it up kind of for 2022, at least. Um, I know since about Obama got elected and even maybe you could even say go back to Bush, there was a lot of um, kind of cultural talk, right? Like back um, in, let's say, 2001, I was pretty young, but um, that was more of like the Christian right, right? Because you had 9-11. So a lot of people kind of had this rally around the flag effect where, okay, well, we got to go get them and everybody's a patriot, which isn't inherently bad. But it can be used for bad things like, you know, going to war and then going on a global empire street and wanting to rebuild the whole world in our image. Right. Um, and then as we kind of moved on from there, it went to Obama in 2008 up until 2016, where eventually you kind of saw the Overton window getting shifted more towards this kind of woke stuff that we see now. And not that there's nothing to be gained from going in perhaps a progressive, more accepting of different cultures and lifestyles. Um, but it's the kind of putting the camel's nose under the tent, which we saw with um, kind of the political left over the last, you know, 10, 15 years is where if you give them gay marriage, then all of a sudden now you get OK, you know, you get grooming of children wanting to be accepted or what do they call it? Um, minor attracted persons. You want you get this, which is brought, which calling them that is banned on Twitter now. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you see now people getting banned. and But that's kind of an example of how the culture shifted so much is because now saying, OK, groomer gets you banned off Twitter, whereas back in 2015 or 16, that nobody would have batten an eye at that. But this is because the left wants to keep they kind of have this conquer all strategy where it's my way or the highway. And now you're seeing this kind of tilt back towards the right in figures like DeSantis and Trump, where um it's more of we're going to fight back in whatever way possible. Now, Trump obviously wasn't very effective at that, but he kind of planted those seeds. And now DeSantis, well, I think, I think he wasn't like I would say he was in 2016. Like he he fought. He won the cultural war in 2016, like in, in that way, in that aspect. Sure. But like once he got into office, like because the memes were great. Like that's the whole point. He got elected like the, the memes, the memes of him, you know, just owning Hillary and all this kind of stuff. The, the, he was winning the culture at that point. But what he didn't do when he got into office is he didn't establish a culture. He basically just he co-opted what what, you know, like kind of like Obama already set up. And he just kind of said, OK, well, you know, like um, he, he did, you know, which I, you, you can argue about what, what the sort of like prison reform kind of thing that, that he, he passed or whatever he uh, executive order, whatever it was, I forget. But the the sort of prison reform kind of stuff and all that kind of stuff could could be good, but it it definitely was on a more on a track of Obama. He wasn't trying to change the the whole culture and say um, sort of like DeSantis. Like the 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 reason DeSantis was is is doing good with culture is because he did something like uh, uh, you know offering parents, uh, even though you know you can agree or disagree about you know giving parents uh, you know money for for stuff, but giving parents money is a, is a pro birth culture. Like it's creating a, a culture of, of wanting to people to have, have kids. And, and I think that's, that's something that the right should be swinging for as much as I don't like, you know, taxpayer dollars going for something like that or whatever. But the, the idea should be to promote those kind of things. Well, and on yeah. that topic, um, this is actually the two kind of tie in together a little bit, but they're completely different uh, conversations or, based on the articles but next uh next sunday i'll be i'll be joined by uh patrick mcfarlane and connor freeman and uh jason from the two-bit podcast and we're going to talk about the mother jones hit piece on blake masters and one of the things and there was another article that came out in the new york times about masters following his win in arizona in his primary earlier in the week um that talked about the the trump thing in 2016 and like there were people like masters and peter teal and, and others who were in the Trump camp at that time, they were like giving him advice and trying to make recommendations for the people that he should be putting in his cabinet, the people he should be putting in charge of different departments and stuff like that. And but and he listened Trump, to Jared Kushner and <laughs> and then the Trump campaign basically or the the Trump uh, the Trump presidency balked at that stuff because it was like too extreme. Uh, but like when you look at the culture war, that's that's kind of what you have to do because if you aren't willing to take those steps to do things that some might view as extreme, then you just fall into, I mean, I, 
it's the overused Michael Malice line. Like you're, you're just a progressive going the speed limit, you know? And that's, so that's what you're seeing in, in Florida is DeSantis is actually willing to push those limits. Right. He's not, he doesn't want to sit by and just let progressivism slowly take over. He's, he, he is actively fighting it. And, and that's, that's Speaking kind of, of the which, idea. That's Speaking the idea of, of, a, of a war. Like it's, yeah. it is a culture war. If you're not actively fighting it, then you're losing it. And that's something that this article kind of goes into. Uh, so let's, let's touch on that a little bit because it talks about the way that, uh, Okay, so political I- identity-wise, Trey and I are probably more on the post-libertarian side of the spectrum. Uh, not super far removed, but we are we are definitely more on the uh, pushing towards being right-wing extremists. Uh, and then I know Kyle is a libertarian, but I know you also kind of align a little bit with the, some of the more conservative values and stuff. So, so we all can probably see some of this, um, especially coming from libertarianism where it talks about the the political strategy of the right being like lower taxes and and all of this like really just milk toast stuff that uh, is proven to lose because you you can't just keep being middle of the road let's try to get along when the other side is actively like fuck all those guys burn it down we're gonna do this 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 and this and if you don't like that we're gonna do this 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 and this you're gonna have you canceled we're gonna remove you from your job we're gonna remove you from your school we're gonna like you can't just be middle of the road anymore well if if you know the sam hod quote like basically when when you when you have the uh or or the or the r and mcintyre quote is probably better uh the, the side that that wants to win will always be the side that wants to be left alone like that that's the entirety and i think that's sort of where our our mindset is at this point you know like you and i justin is, is like we're, we don't we want to be left alone but like obviously we, you have to fight this fight because they won't let you be like and, and so the the idea it's kind of like the the i don't know if you saw the thing that DeSantis did the other day uh going after the George Soros backed uh, judge, and basically because he wouldn't enforce the stuff that that DeSantis was pushing, he said he basically said, "Okay, well, we're, he it literally said in the article they went in there and physically removed him from the office." So uh, you, that 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 kind of stuff has to happen. You have to you are going to have to go after these people who are uh, antagonistic to your belief system uh, a, a little bit. I mean, obviously, we don't we don't want to you know go into sort of the exact persecution like they are but you you there is there this is a war like you you have to win it at some point and that's that's the whole point whenever when it's called a culture war people need to realize it's an actual it is an actual war Mm -hmm. right and and to kind of bring it back to that um to bring it back to culture uh this is kind of emblematic of that right where they had to physically remove somebody who wouldn't follow along the culture that ron DeSantis is trying to foster down in florida but this is why he's so popular is because once again he's not afraid to kind of dig his heels in and say all right this is florida and this is how it's going to be you haven't seen any you know popular right-leaning figures willing to do that over the last you know 10 15 years where anytime somebody called anyone on the right racist they said well i'm not racist ron DeSantis says uh, no <laughs> he rejects that and then he you know gets whatever he wants done done and there is something to be said for that kind of governing by decree and not that you know we as libertarians necessarily like that but at a certain point you can't just sit there and be a pacifist and wait for the other side to just say all right well we're done now because as we see when you have somebody like that that's not willing to give up then eventually you're gonna have to fight back or else you're just gonna get completely crushed and that's kind of what happened with the right but now once again now you're seeing it start to be turned around the goal as libertarians should be that we should want to kind of cool tensions off and find a way to decentralize so that way people don't feel like they have to do this but we just there's no choice at this point as far as i could tell um i did a poll on twitter a couple weeks ago asking if libertarianism is too idealistic and i kind of bounced back and forth on this because at some point you're going to have to arm wrestle and you may need a little bit of a ron DeSantis kind of governing by decree in order to beat back some of this stuff that's being forced down our throats culturally yeah, I don't know that libertarianism is. Let's see, that's a tough question for me. I don't know that libertarianism mm-hmm. is too idealistic. I think that it's certain factions and members of or or people who identify as libertarian are 
too idealistic. Like, sure. Speaking, you know, because, I, I would say some speaking on the topic of the right. yeah. So in speaking like the on the topic of like the culture if you said war, the name, right? Mm. There are certain aspects of the culture war that that you have to live in reality and, right. and like, um, like using political power to make actual change. Like that's the reality of the of the system that we live in. Like it, it's it sounds really nice to say, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna abolish all of these things. Well, you have to actually win before you can abolish all those things. And in order right. to win, and in order to win, uh, there are things that you have to do that would be considered a uh, a use of power, a form of statism. Like you have to, you have to actually be willing to dip your toe into utilizing that system as it exists. So, yeah, I, that's and the people who suggest that end up getting labeled as post libertarians or whatever. And it, you know, mm-hmm. so. Uh, it was kind of the dirty word for a while, and now I think most of it just kind of most of us just kind of wear it as a badge of whatever, and and move on because like yeah. I don't know, there's a lot of confusion around what all of that means. But like that's that's the reality of the situation, and that's the reality of the culture war. Like as a libertarian, if you want libertarian culture to win out, you can't just be the pacifistic live and let live. Like at some point, you have to actively be fighting in that war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the the you know t- speaking of like sort of the right pacifists, and, and the the article kind of kind of goes into it. Uh, the Democratic Party, the reason that they won culture is because they they were actually going after it. And I think that there there are some uh, people on the right that make a mistake of uh, of doing certain things. Like uh, I saw people talking about you know hating on people uh, on Twitter with anime profile pictures, or you know hating on anime, and, and they they hate on that kind of stuff. Um, you know, but it's someone who likes anime and, and realizes that honestly, if you watch most uh, anime, it, it, it they convey more right wing values, uh, g- generally speaking, because you know the Japanese are kind of conservative uh, by nature. So it, it's uh, you know, yeah, you have have some of the sort of those elements, but that's still a a, a part of a culture, and and that that should be you know sort of the the target uh, for, for some of the the Republican ideas they should be going after like the the gamers and the uh the, the anime fans because that that's that's a that's a culture that can that you can market to but instead they want to like demonize that um and that's why like they so many people would just become democrats by default or, or whatever because you d- demonize the things that they like and then they go well i hate these people like they, these people don't want to they don't want to preserve my culture so why do why do i care so that's the, i think that's the general uh, problem with some of the conservative movement of the last 20 years. And, and, and honestly, it probably goes back further than that into the, um, it goes back further than that into like the mid, the mid eighties and up through the nineties where you had like this really as odd as it sounds to say this, you had this incredibly progressive form of like conservative Christianity that wanted to just like, uh, put rubber padding on everything and protect everyone from everything forever. Like they went again, they went after video games for being violent and stuff like that. They went after cartoons and comic books and stuff like that for being violent. Like um, I was actually just reading a, an article before we started that was talking about uh, how like superheroes were not created with this, not killing anybody uh, mentality or like um, it was enforced by culture. Right. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't there wasn't a principle that superheroes didn't kill people until you got this conservative Christian push in the 80s and 90s that uh, they didn't want their superheroes killing people because kids looked up to those as role models. And so it was creating some violent culture. The same with video games. Um, and when the uh, when the school shootings first started. So the very first not I don't want to say the very first, but the one that that was the big one that kind of kicked everything off going forward for the next 20 years was Columbine. Michael, Michael Carneal. Carneal oh. came before Columbine. Uh, Michael Carneal killed nine people at Heath high school in Paducah, Kentucky. Um, and my, both of my cousins were at the school that day. Um, like it was, it was a terrifying thing, but there was, after it happened, there was this huge push to demonize video games and gamers because Michael was, 
a video like, he was kind of a nerdy weird kid and he he played video games so there was this push to demonize video games and to claim that somehow he learned how to shoot guns and the reason he was as accurate as he was when he went into the school was because he had played so many hours of these first person shooter video games yeah. i'm like um do you know where his grandparents house is where he got the guns like it's out on a farm he's been shooting since he was a kid like he's very he was very proficient with the weapon long before he started playing video games like so uh you but that became the thing and so through the early 2000s like there was all the talk about uh and you know that was you had call of duty halo um the early oh grand theft autos like all of this stuff was being (laughs) this was all being demonized as why there was so much violence and and so like as the right wing progressivism which the data the data proved otherwise like even even at that point they were already seeing like hey uh, there's there's a decrease in violent crime over over this time period uh ever since video games have introduced been introduced like people are actually seeing a uh, much less violent crime over over the next like ten years. So, it, but the, it's, you know, it's they use that to demonize gamer culture and to demonize comic book and and anime and stuff like that. They've it's been used to demonize the music industry, like the, that mm-hmm. right wing conservative Christian progress form of progressivism uh, pushed. I I think pushed a large percentage of the music industry towards the left because mm-hmm. they said that you know effectively anything that wasn't like soft christian rock was devil worship music and so like you you had that so uh, i i do think a lot of what we see now is um it's their own fault <laughs> to have to have pushed the people who should align with conservative values in that direction by rejecting the things that that they liked for no more reason than uh, I mean, what's what was well, that it, the reasoning for pushing uh, music towards like pretending that well, anything it, that wasn't like, it, soft it, soft pop was demon demon worship? It could be it, when you look at personality types. Jordan Peterson always talks about this, but um, left leaning people will tend to be a little bit more creative, and then right wing people are a little bit more conscientious, right? So. Um, And you see this kind of at large, right? Because most Republicans, you know, are blue collar guys who, you know, go to work and they want their retirement and they want to be able to feed their families and they have those very kind of traditional and just blue collar values. Right. And then more left leaning people tend to be a little bit more creative. Like when you see a, an art piece in a museum, you know, it wasn't the mechanic up the road that was drawing that painting. Right. Um, when you see a guitar player, typically that person isn't, you know, the, the plumber up the road, um, here in Southwestern Pennsylvania, most of the bands that I know, fortunately, um, kind of like the area I live, most of the people are kind of like blue collar musicians and more, I guess, if you had to put a pin on it, um, they're mostly right leaning people. But then if you go down to Pittsburgh, it's a completely different story because that's just not the, those aren't the kind of jobs are working in Pittsburgh versus out where I live, which is not like completely rural where like I'm 50 miles away from my neighbor, but, um, you know, it's more small town vibes and a lot more of the people once again, just hold a lot more traditional values. So, um, I think it's just because when they looked at it, they kind of assumed it was more left-leaning because once again, more artists are going to be a little bit more left-leaning, creative, and open, um, as in just more accepting of different ideas and not necessarily pinned down to one specific like cultural value. And that's to their detriment to a degree. And I, I think it is interesting that you bring up that it probably did force a lot of people who might otherwise be a little bit more right-leaning over to the left because they felt like they were being demonized. But um, it wasn't necessarily the people themselves being demonized. It was kind of what they were doing. Yeah, yeah but uh, like the I, the and and I I know that uh, if, if you ever watch Romanian TV, uh, he, he has a he's a he's a great YouTuber that I watch. Uh, he you know I, I recommend him to, to to watch his videos. But the um, the so something that he talked about is that during the sort of that '90s era, uh, this sort of uh, Christianity was the vector for power, and that—that's what he was—he was—he was saying, like, well, if you are this sort of progressive Christian and you uh, push things and you say, like, hey, um, you know, let's let's make make a 
you know, video games, uh, uh, like let's censor them. Let's do all this kind of stuff uh, or, or music. If you go after that, that was a vector of power. But now like the woke, you know, sort of uh, thing, like the, the progressive thing is, is, is the vector of power. So a lot of and, and that's why he said, like, you know, if you look at some of these people who were like really hyper Christians, like 15, 20 years ago, then and you saw them today, some a lot of them may be sort of progressives, like woke progressives now because they realize that that's a vector for power. And it's not necessarily that they cared about the religion. They didn't care about the culture. They just wanted a vector for power and they wanted to weaponize it over the, the people that they don't like. It is the embodiment of the Karen. I, I mean, and I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what the nineties, that's what that nineties cancel culture was, was the, mm. uh, it was the progressive Christian conservative white woman. And it's become, you know, the, the Karen meme goes back a long, long, long way, a lot further than 2020. Um, it's caveman time. Yeah. We've seen it more pronounced, but yeah, I mean, you're probably right. Like a a lot of the people who, and honestly thinking, thinking about it, um, a lot of the people who would have been in that, in that camp at that time have transitioned into being more progressive over time. Uh, I guess, I guess I, I kind of, uh, solved that already when I said that they were a, it was a progressive conservative Christian like that's what they were that's kind of what it was anyway and it's uh, it's shifted over time but it's still the same still the same principles as uh, as what it always was um, they they've just found their true political ideology I guess which is being against everything. Yeah, and, and as far as it goes, like what what I would think is is the the reason that DeSantis is winning and, and the reasons, uh, and honestly, there should be a more um, and the reason Blake Masters won. Actually, Blake Masters is a really good example because all the things that he's talking about are are exactly like he's he's describing he's describing a future that that people want to live in, and that's the whole reason that he won the the primary in Arizona is because he's describing a future and a culture in, in, in the, in which like, Hey, you know, you don't need to be demonized because, uh, you know, because you are like a certain race or whatever, you don't, you don't need to be de you don't need to be, uh, demonized because, uh, you, you want to have a family, all these things, like we're going to create this culture of people can exist and they, they can, uh, create a family conservative sort of environment, um, and, and he's he's describing that now what what he didn't do and, and what I wish more of them would do is go after the actual cultural things, you know, go go after like, OK, well, the you see your entertainment and, and some people are talking about this, but not not everybody. You know, your woke entertainment, your your woke, uh, you know, video games, you, you have all of these sort of uh, thing, things that people engage in, uh, even, you know, like Rage Against the Machine is is you know, coming out as, as woke for the vax, uh, pro-abortion, all this kind of stuff. Going after those vectors of attack instead of just saying like, okay, well, uh, we're going to be okay with talking, you know, policy. And, 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 and uh, policy is important, but definitely talking about the things that people are actually dealing with. Oh, well, when I go watch a movie, they, they tell me that I'm bad because I because I, I, I look a certain way or that because I don't agree with, uh, you know, being pro-abortion or whatever. Like a, if, if you have to see this kind of stuff in movies and TV all the time telling me what I should be and what I shouldn't should be shouldn't be or whatever, that that's the kind of thing that they should be targeting, uh, I think. And that's that's where the real culture war should be fought. Yeah, I think that um, kind of what you just encapsulated actually highlights the uh, majority of the second paragraph pretty well. So uh, we, we, I can't believe we've already been going for a half hour. <laughs> but uh, we'll move on to the second paragraph. Uh, <clears throat> so for the, the second paragraph says, while Republicans might want to campaign on issues such as low taxes, spending and other types of fiscal policy, it is not as attention grabbing nor on voters' minds as much uh, as much as the ongoing culture wars are. The only policies that are the usual Republican campaign issues that are still prevalent may be immigration and the current inflation era, primarily due to the Biden administration's monumental failure to handle those policies. Uh, and if we want to skip down just a little bit to the to the fourth paragraph, it really gets into that a lot, where it talks about. Um, however, most of the public overwhelmingly. Uh, disagrees with and that's where it's um it talks about like mcconnell and kevin mccarthy and some of the more 
uh, centrist or even leftist Republicans and and some of their policies and and most of the Republican establishment. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. the establishment. Um, the electorate continues to vote for Republicans based on their culture war fight and opposition to progressivism uh, that's infiltrating the schools, media, corporations against their will. So that's where you see conservatives running for school board elections. Uh, Maya Flores being elected in a border district. Glenn Youngkin, who won the Virginia governor's race, basically just because he came out and said no CRT in schools. And right. I mean, that's that was you could have just plastered that as his campaign headline and he'd have won on that because the the state of Virginia and most of the uh, Virginia is a largely conservative state. It has these big <clears throat> has these big urban hubs that. Um, are very, very democratic leaning, but the rest of the state is very rural. And as soon as you get like, uh, so like I, I spent a couple of months working in Richmond and like downtown Richmond, Virginia is a beautiful place and it is incredibly progressive, but like you get a half mile out of town and it, it's a full 180 shift. Like mm -hmm. these places are very, especially in Virginia, it's not that way everywhere. It's, it's more that way in, uh, in more rural states like Indiana, it's extremely that way. Um, yeah. But like if you are right in that little cultural hub in the middle of the city, then you're going to see it. But as soon as you get just a little bit away from that, it shifts dramatically. So, so that, you know, that's what Yunkin with the anti CRT uh, talking points during his, or during his campaign, uh, that's what won it for him. And that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of the way it works is you have to be willing to go a, to go against progressivism and not just like, like, Oh yeah, that's a bad thing. Like you have to actively establish that not only is it a bad thing, I'm going to do something to do something about it. That's we what must, yeah, we, we must not be uh, passively anti-progressive. We must be actively anti-progressive. <laughs> um, yeah. Now I, like I said, what a uh, trade just kind of elaborated on and you were kind of getting to as well is just what these two paragraphs that we just read basically are talking about where, it is kind of like this one issue, like people no longer care about specific policies as much as they care about their kids being in culturally indoctrinated, indoctrinated to being pro-choice, you know, woke lunatics, right? People don't, people don't like that stuff around their kids. People don't want their kids being taught that just because they're a straight white boy means that they're any less worthy than, you know, a, a black trans female, right? People, adults can't stand that stuff. Um, and I was thinking about this the other day and I might've talked about it with uh, Courtney when she was on my podcast the other day. Um, it didn't occur to me that this was happening. Uh, I want to say it was probably like five to 10 years ago when my younger brother was in like seventh grade. And uh, my dad had said, yeah, well, you know, he came home and now the teachers are starting to talk about um, how to use pronouns for trans individuals. And like, Back then, it just kind of seemed like nothing, right? Like, I didn't think much of it. And then now, looking at it now, I, I realize that there is this institutional push for acceptance and for wanting kids to be trans younger and younger. And there's something very disturbing about that. And I think it kind of goes to the whole transhumanist agenda where you're no longer a unique individual. You can be whatever you want, right? You're not endowed with specific things that make you you or make me me um it, it's you could be whatever you want so if you want to be trans you can be trans and if you want to be a boy when you were born a girl then you can do that and it, it's very strange it is very disturbing but it, it's kind of where the culture if you want to be a half human cyborg like <laughs> well that's that, that's gonna be a thing unfortunately well and that's the thing with the with progressivism it's it's mm -hmm. all about diversity as long as you are diverse within this bubble of what we consider diversity right. like you, have, you have to fit your diversity into this thing whereas i mean you know you can you can say whatever you want about people who are incredibly racist they believe in diversity like they believe in true diversity that mm -hmm. it's not everybody is all this giant melting pot of oneness and collectivism like there are individuals and there are big differences and that's that's a terrible way to maybe uh, to analyze, uh, analogize that. But I mean, that's, there is a, a significant or a, a, a real belief in. Well, they, they don't want to homogenize versus well, the, diversity. Well, they don't want to homogenize thought that that's the, that's the thing is, is like, they're, they're not trying to homogenize everybody to, to think 
think necessarily think the same about every issue. Uh, it, it's it's a completely they're wanting a, like the the current sort of like progressive culture is wanting to have a complete uh, aspect of every control of every aspect of your life. They want you to be to, to be explicitly pro-choice, to be explicitly uh, you know you know uh, for the DEI sort of uh, principles and all this kind of stuff. That that's that's what they're going toward and. The 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 funny thing, and and this is why I, th- I think it would be so easy, and this is this is why Republicans have they have they have a, uh, you know, it, it's like a layup. Like they they could have a layup. All if only they focus on, say, giving a positive vision of the future, and all they have to do is say, look, right now your your world's in tor- turmoil. Like everything is 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 uh you know going to straight to hell basically. And all you all you have to do is offer this worldview of of like, look, if 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 we you know we get elected and we enact our policy, our policy is going to be pro pro life uh, exclusively. Like we're going to be we're going to go for this kind of pro life. We're gonna we're gonna be pro life in every aspect, financially, um, you know, everything that you can possibly do. We're going to make it possible for you to live, you to have a family. And you to not be, you know, subject to to this sort of progressive agenda that they've been pushing onto you. And if we we're gonna when we get in power, we're gonna wield it in that way, and to to make sure that you guys are safeguarded from from this nonsense. Mm-hmm. That would be the positive vision. And basically, like I said, it's like, it's like a layup for them. They they get they get an easy win, and everybody would be on board with that. I, I think or majority of people would be on board with that because I don't th- I don't think the majority of people agree. With this sort of like just destructive uh, perspective that they're that they're trying to uh, coerce people into into believing. Well, to kind of tag on to what you said there, um, I, I you mentioned a vision or like a positive vision for the future. I think that was the appeal of Trump in 2016 when he came out saying "Make America Great Again," right? Because that's what people are envisioning, and he was telling people essentially, "I don't hate you. I want to bring your jobs back. Um, I have this blue collar vision of America that is great, right? So this is what we're going to do." I'm going to fight the cold. I'm going to wield it. And I'm going to, you know, once again, kind of try to make America great again. So um, now where he failed in 2020 was when all the businesses were locked down. And a lot of this wasn't necessarily his fault. But um, when people were losing their jobs and their livelihoods were being wrecked and, you know, 2020 was happening, when you say keep America great, um, it doesn't have that same ring. Right. So especially to younger people who are drowning in debt. And once again, a lot of this stuff isn't Trump's fault. But when you say keep America great and people my age, you know, can't afford to go out and buy a house and, you know, live the quote unquote America's great dream, then people feel like they're getting slapped in the face because they're saying, hey, I don't feel like life is great, but you're telling me that everything's great. Um, Sorry. No. So I think that was kind of what turned a lot of people off of Trump in 2020 is because they saw everything that was going on in 2020. And then you're telling them, keep America great. Okay. Well, if you come out and, you know, are objective and say, all right, well, this is the issue and we're going to move on from there as he did in 2016, then at least people know that you're tangibly going to at least attempt to make progress. But when you just say, keep America great. And we just went through what was, you know, probably the greatest recession in forever. Um, people just don't feel like that anymore so people think okay well we got to do something else so once again when DeSantis comes around he's punching back and he fought the COVID regime stood down the world and had said this is Florida we're going to be free then people look at that and um they they're a lot more attracted to that and I think that kind of bears out in polls as well that DeSantis is a lot more of an authoritative figure although he's not quite as charismatic as Trump um just the fact that he's able to be so you know, he's willing to wield authority in such a powerful way, in a way that really resonates with his people, a very populist style. Um, people like that a lot more than, um, you know, Trump in 2020. And when you talk about Trump in 2020, as opposed to 2016, like in 2016, he really came out as he was actively fighting the culture war that we're talking mm-hmm. about. Like he, he came out against all the extreme progressivism, the woke stuff. He came out against everything that the government was doing that was terrible and bad. And for those first two or three years, he was, while maybe he wasn't pushing as hard as he could have or had the wrong people in an office, like there were a lot of failings and a lot of 
uh, places that more could have been done. He was saying a lot of the right things and he was exposing a lot of that stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And, and so like you saw that, but then once you hit 2020, it became very milquetoast and he stopped being an active opponent of progressivism and of all of that stuff. And, and he just kind of became another politician. And that's like, that was his, that was the big failing. Like the, the thing that we keep coming back to with this is like, you have to actively be fighting the culture war. Uh, mm-hmm. And like something that I've been thinking about speaking of like uh, libertarianism earlier, like some of the big libertarian talking points, taxation is bad in the wars, like all of these things, they're right, but they're not things that win votes. They, uh, well, they're, they're, you can't frame them in a way to win votes, like you, you, in in the way that they're doing it. Like the, if you just say in the wars, like that's that. But but like Trump was saying, like bring our bring our troops home, and that that was that action. resonated with a lot of people. Right. Yeah, it was it was something that was actually in action instead of saying like in the wars. Well, you know, wars are a complicated thing. Like you you're, you're fighting, you know, a, another country in, in another place. Or, or you know, or on your home turf, depending on you know what what side of the the fight you're on, and that's that's a definitely a thing that you have to consider with the war. You can't just end the war. You have to come to some strategic end. And his idea was like bring the troops home, and everybody was on board with that. And and, and he didn't start any new wars while he was in office. So people were like, oh yeah, you know, the, yeah, the troops should be should be more home. And he was focused on America in, in that way. But what he should have what he should have done in, in the what Republicans should do going forward is consider every aspect of your policy should be promoting the, the vision of the future that you want to do, that you want to have, uh, whether it be economic policy, you can't just say lower taxes because, because lower taxes is, is good. I, I, I want, you know, the, the less taxation, the better. Right. But if you just say lower taxes and that usually indicates lower corporate taxes, which is why most people uh, think that, that think that Republicans hate you know, that the love big business and hate uh, the average person because they don't want to like enact a full economic policy that would be, uh, you know, like the fair tax. If, if you I don't know if you guys have looked at the fair tax, if we were to just overhaul our system with the fair tax instead of the current taxation system. Uh, and I, you know, I recommend you guys look it up and read about it. But basically taxing only consumption as opposed to taxing income uh, is, is a much more palpable idea for people because and it also, you know, actually it's an actionable thing that puts more money in people's pockets because the only time they're taxed is when they actually go and spend their money, not whenever they make money. Uh, but that, that's that's definitely a, a hard sell for, for, you know, the federal government in that way. But it's something that like you need to be pushing for ideas that are actually going to be an actual ex- economic policy that will promote something that, that everybody wants and that, that, you know, will benefit the constituents that you want and the vision of the world that you want. But they, they seem to fail to think about this in, in all levels. Like they just think about it. Oh, well, you know, I'll just say the normal thing, you know, less taxation, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, like the, the normal talking points. Well, so what I was kind of getting at with that was like. I think personally, taxes and even to a large extent, war and some of these other things, like for the average normal person, that's all baked into the cake. That like they already know whenever they take a job, what their salary is, they automatically think about what's coming off of that in taxes. Like they don't even consider that their money anymore. That like that's the same with the wars. Like if you asked a normal person, how many wars have we been in? How many wars are we like? How many countries do we actively have troops stationed in where we're fighting and doing shit, where we're droning and bombing and, uh, you know, fucking with other governments? They have no idea and they don't care. Like, so these, like, in order for any of these things to become relevant, you have to win the culture war first and you have to change people's actual attitude towards things and get, get people to start seeing, like, there's a lot more going on, uh, but first we have to win that culture war. You have to get it in people's, you have to get it in front of people before you can actually do anything about it. Because like like I said, it's it's already baked into the cake. They don't even realize that that's happening at all, and they're not well, worried about it. 
it's it's like Bannon the other day actually said to in the Federal Reserve, like you have Steve Bannon, one of the most like uh, Republican Republicans kind of kind of person uh, is is uh, or I mean he he's more of the paleo strategy of, of like trying to get local politics. He, he's advocating for that kind of stuff, but he is still dot in dot in the like Republican uh, figure. But yeah, he's saying like in the Federal Reserve, like so. There is sort of a shift uh, going going on in, on them, even looking at you know these sort of like economic policy and this kind of stuff. But it needs to be uh, something that is, that is definitely uh, advocated in a way that people can digest. And the easier it is for the the normie to digest, then then they're gonna lap it up. They're gonna say, oh, well, you know, if if, if this benefits me and my family, uh, that that's all they care about. Like they don't they don't care about the uh, the actual details of it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I've been kind of wrestling with this a lot mentally. Um, obviously, as libertarians, we're very anti-interventionists, but um, maybe it's not a wise idea to really lead with that. Now, presidents always seem to win on, I don't want to say seem to win, but it always seems to be very popular to be anti-war when you're getting elected. And it, it almost sounds counterintuitive with how poorly foreign policy has been over the last 20 years but um if you look at george bush what happened he said you know no new wars or whatever and obama his thing was bring them all home and uh he you know he's not going to do any of the stuff that he he did and trump same deal we're going to end all these stupid wars but you know all three of them were horrible on foreign policy but people just don't care because it's not so tangible right like we don't very few people actually see people going to war and stuff like that like yeah you know a couple of people that do it but it's not something like that you really have to deal with in your day-to-day -day life so people just actively don't care about that as much as they care about the income tax about once again their kids being indoctrinated in schools about being called racist or being depersoned online for having the wrong opinion um I, I don't like it that it's that way because we should want to kind of have an isolationist foreign policy where we're not worried about other countries. But um, once again, you just can't really lead with that because I don't think it's something tangible enough for people to really give a shit about. So and that that actually takes us to a couple other paragraphs in this. Um, Traditionally, the, the Democratic Party and the left have used social and cultural issues so they can virtue signal towards the American electorate. Strategies such as pandering to minorities, the LGBTQ community, immigrants, and the associated working class are, uh, are ways Democrats attempt to appeal to the American electorate. Not only do they work to ensure that they have moral support on their side, but they paint any voter or politician that disagrees with them as morally inept or straight out bigoted. Uh, Democrats are the ones who started firing first in this war, and for many years, they've made Republicans seem, seem as if they are evil. For decades, especially on social and immigration issues, Democrats have made Republicans out to be nothing but old, rich white men who want to promote sexism, racism, class, and classism through policy. Uh, these, so then the next one, these, these strategies are slowly being rejected. Um, the birth of the culture war stemmed from Americans getting tired of being called racist, homophobes, transphobes, and bigots. Um, so the Democrats decided to shift the, the demonization not only to include Republicans, but anyone who disagrees with their viewpoint, which that for me, that's been an interesting thing to watch over the last uh, decade or so is, is how they've shifted not only from calling, you know, people who have ideas like the three of us, a bunch of right wing bigots. But now anybody who doesn't even even in their own JK Rowling. Yeah, that, that's I mean, the they, biggest example. That's that's an excellent example because you know just because she she said well I kind of think that a woman's a woman now she's a turf and a transphobe and has to be canceled she's not allowed to do anything anymore like that it's, it's so much so that they that they were even like uh they're making a new uh, uh like a Hogwarts game like it, it's a uh, it's gonna be like where you can kind of be uh a wizard in the in the wizarding universe of, of like Harry Potter. And immediately, like the, as as the game was coming out, like they they had the people who were making the game had to disavow J.K. Rowling publicly, or else a lot of people were saying like they were saying they weren't going to buy the game, which I don't think those people were real fans or even going to buy the game anyway. Mm -hmm. um, they're they're the anti fan, but but they but the the culture that they've created, you know, is is eating, you know, it's like the snake eating itself at that point. Uh, the uh, Ouroboros. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you hit on something really important there when it comes to uh, gaming, actually. Um, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but uh, it's so funny to watch these video game companies bow down to the mob because 
these people don't play the fucking games anyways. They don't care. So like what I'm playing Borderlands 3 who play this game don't care if Tiny Tina and Borderlands 3 thinks that all the female characters are sexy, right? The, the people who play this literally don't give a shit. Or doing revisionist history on wars to put women in there. People don't care. The people actually playing the game don't care. You're appeasing people who will never even give you a dime anyways. But... Um, well, and, and and if you if you talk about the 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 putting women back in previous wars, like that that was the the battlefield five tactic, right. and the, it it went terribly for them. They they even said like, hey, uh, yeah, this this didn't work. Like we we lost a lot of money on this game because it, battlefield is a high selling franchise, and they got destroyed, but because they they made so much less money on, on battlefield five as they, than they did all the previous titles like you know battlefield one sold really well and then they go to battlefield five and they they sell terribly because they they, they decided to push this thing and they even the, the the this is uh the disney marketing they put out the game they showed a trailer of you know a female soldier in world war ii going out there with a prosthetic limb uh doing all this kind of crazy stuff and it's like nobody everybody's you know railed on it and then the the publisher comes in out there and says Oh yeah, you know, like if you don't like it, don't buy it. You know, y'all are just bigots. You know, y'all are, y'all are sexists or whatever. And 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 whenever you do that, you know, that that's that's antagonistic to to the to people who actually you know will you know play the games. And that's why I said like you know if they if the right wing would would go you know like to gamers because most gamers uh, I think generally speaking. Uh, are are more right wing in in their perspective because you know they like playing games with guns like and all you had to do was just convince them like hey you you want to shoot one IRL like you, you want to go out, outside and actually you know shoot the thing that you see in the video game you can do it in America like the, that's that's the culture that they should have uh, created but instead you know they they decided to go against that and that's 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 the funny thing about about the culture war in the way well I do think there is something interesting with the with the video game culture um, and also with movies and stuff like that and, and mainstream media that you're starting to see a little more actively happening of late uh, is like you said, they, they put all that out and then the, the game flopped. Like you're seeing uh, they put out stuff that's like, uh, like different movies and shows that, that are coming out um, that are only being promoted in a certain way. And then you see them just completely fall flat on their face. Uh, the, one of the uh, creators of, uh, I can't remember the name of, First Blood, I think is the name of it. It was like some teen vampire drama that came out on Netflix. And it got canceled after one season. And the one of the producers of the show was like, all they did was promote it as some lesbian vampire show. Like they didn't actually show what it's about. And so nobody cared because, you know. Okay, cool. Lesbian vampires, like that's a dime a dozen. There's no market for it, right? Yeah, <laughs> like you're trying to promote all this, all these cultural things that the people who are actually watching and actually care don't want to see that. They don't care about that. They want good. They want good product. The people who are screeching about how there isn't enough of this, they don't actually consume any of that. I, I've talked about this before. Like when you look at, um, and this was very very apparent in the like Stacey Abrams. Uh, did a big uh, like fundraising thing a, a few weeks ago. 85 to 90% of the money for Stacey Abrams came from large packs and corporations and stuff outside the state of Georgia. She raised very, very little money from actual donors in the state of Georgia. Whereas Republicans uh, like Matt Kemp, I think Matt, Matt Kemp actually mm-hmm. raised a lot Brian of money Kemp. as well. Uh, Brian Kemp. Sorry, Matt Kemp's the base, baseball player. I always had him on my fantasy roster, so anytime I go to a camp, I, I get confused. Uh, yeah, Brian Kemp, <laughs> he did a fundraiser at the same time, and I think eighty, I think eighty to eighty-five percent of his funding came from people in the state of Georgia. Like Republicans raise money and have people who actually care who back them and get on their side for that stuff, whereas all of these progressives and these progressive causes and these progressive uh, ideas. They have a lot of people who are loud and screech about it, but when it's time to, you know, for rubber to hit the road, they're not there. They're not involved. And so that like that's that's where the culture war can be won. So let's kind of 
as we start to wrap up, let's kind of uh, talk about that. I'm gonna hit the I'm gonna hit the last paragraph, um, and then we'll kind of talk about what what do we do or what should be done going forward. So finding the culture war does not mean that fiscal policy has to be thrown aside, which we did talk about that kind of ideas a little bit. Uh, instead, the culture war is an avenue which Republicans can apply conservative solutions to fix the problems Democrats have caused. To enact low taxes, anti-interventionist foreign policy, education reform, and cut spending, Republicans have to be willing to fight progressivism in the trenches. Americans are putting the culture war at the forefront of their minds when they enter the voting booth in August and November. So what's the, uh, what are the next steps? What do we see going forward or what, what would we like to see? Because we are only going to see it in some small part, in some small batches. Carrie Lake, uh, Blake Masters, J.D. Vance, DeSantis is going to keep pushing on this. Um, but beyond that, uh, I don't think a lot of, I don't think a lot of Republicans have the stomach for it just yet, but what are some of the things that we, that we would think need to be happening? In fighting this culture war and actually having a chance to win it, um, I think to kind of tap on what Trey had said earlier is that um, you kind of have to be actively in it, right? Um, you have to punch back, and once again, this is what you see a lot of the new populist right wingers doing. And I, look, I don't agree with them on everything. Oh, and the other idea that I was thinking about is that, like, if you look at Matt Gates, the one clip that like went viral, it was <laughs> so funny. They asked him about fat women getting abortions. And he just said, be offended, right? That, that. You have to show that you're not willing to back down. And guess what? Yeah. At that moment, he didn't back down. He just, he owned it. And that has been the problem with Republicans over the last 20 years is that they back down. Whenever, and Trump actually was the same deal with a lot of this stuff too, is that he would back down. And then sometimes, even after he'd back down, he would own what he backed down from and then start pushing it. Um, when it came to all the socialist spending of 2020, what happened? He bowed down and then started endorsing it. Look, I'm, I just want to give people free money. Well, that it, you look like a coward at that point. And I know a lot of Republicans didn't really care because it was just free money. Now, a little do they know that now that that's what we're paying back in the form of what's probably almost 20% inflation year over year. Um, it, it, it's going to have to be a matter of punching back and kind of laying out a vision of the future. It, it and whether that's make America great again or what, I, I don't know what 2022, you know, what the latter part of 2022 and maybe even 2024 look like, but it's going to have to be, um, in my mind, the way that I see the most freedom coming forth is we have socially conservative values and we want to kind of decentralize and also remove a lot of this woke BS from your localities. Um, that, in my mind, is going to be the best direction going forward. And um, to just kind of add one little thing, and then I'll throw it to you guys. Um, if you look at Eric July, over $3 million raised for his comic books. Okay, well, he's not sitting here getting his hands dirty like all the other um, political people. He's actively engaging in the culture. So I didn't quite understand his point early on when he kept saying, when he was hitting on culture so much. And then you see him make three, $3 million with a freaking comic book. That was kind of him coming forward saying, this is what it is, right? This is going to be the culture moving forward. Um, I think we just need a lot more of that. People just doing, right? And that's hopefully what I've done with my podcast where I'm trying to put forth the idea of being a jacked and tan libertarian, right? Jacked and tan, socially conservative libertarian. That's kind of <laughs> where my focus is, is giving people the tools to make themselves better libertarians so that way we could be people of more influence, so that way people are more willing to listen to us and our ideas, and therefore um, we'll be willing to adopt these ideas and hopefully implement them going forward. Yeah, it's never going to be tan, but maybe one of these days we'll get it. <laughs> uh, hey, 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 you know, yeah, I'm, I might get jacked, but de definitely not going to be tan, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that, uh, the most I'll get is red. Uh, that, that's kind of what my dad is. You know, he, he's basically really red because we'll do our best. <laughs> uh, but the um, the the perspective I have on it is uh, a lot of what Kyle's saying, and and also I think to tack on a little bit is, uh, you know, the what won Trump 2016 was sort of the memes and being part of that that culture. And, and the meme war is a, is a real war. So I think that tapping into that, uh, embracing uh, th things like anime, embracing things like video games, I think if you if you just said, hey, look, you know, we, we you know, there, there's a there's been a, there, there was a actually a, a Twitter post that sort of went viral talking about like there there was a an anime 
called Spy X Family. It, it, it was it's it's a, an anime, cute little anime about a family. And th- this guy was like, oh, well, this this uh, actually makes me want to go, you know, get married, have kids, have a family. Uh, and that that you know that was promoting that culture. And this is something that should say like, you know, right wing right wingers should embrace that kind of thing and embrace video games. Be like, yeah, you know, like. You, you like you like playing uh, Call, Call of Duty, you know, shooting shooting guns at, at people. Well, you can do it IRL, you know. It's just promoting that kind of culture and embracing like the the things that people generally like, like because most people play video games. Most people, you know, a lot of people watch anime. More and more people are watching like anime because you know Western stuff is kind of going to crap. Um, but the embracing that and being able to go on there. I want to see a politician do a Twitch stream and him, you know, playing a video game or whatever and saying like, you know, like going, going nuts and going off on on people, you know, uh, you know, swearing at other people playing the game. And and then people will embrace that kind of figure because they'll be like, Oh, this dude plays games like me. He's on Twitch, you know, Uh, now he'll probably get banned because he's right wing, but (laughs) you know, the, the, the idea of that kind of stuff, maybe he, maybe he has to do it on rumble instead because he can't, he can't get on Twitch. (laughs) Finding, finding the things that are actively attacking their supporters which are turning their supporters against them on these cultural issues and embracing those people. And being like, Hey, like we see you, we feel your pain. This is what we want to do about it. Come help us fix the things that you love. That Defend your anime, defend yeah. your video games. We, we will us, we'll gatekeep yeah. them. We will let's protect fix, them. Let's fix the things that have been broken by this psychotic progressive push. And let's, let's win the culture war by getting people who don't like what's happening actually actively doing something about it. Like they're out there. They they are doing things about it. You, you've seen the comic book world has been crumbling for mm-hmm. several years because of all of the things that Eric July is directly going against. The mainstream uh so movies and like Netflix. Netflix has really changed a lot of stuff that they're going to be doing going forward because of a lot of the pushback against the woke shit. Um, like video games, you know, you've seen the failure of games because they were exclusively pushing that type of content, uh, getting those people on the side of, all right, let's like, let's actually band together and fix this shit and win this. Uh, that's, that's probably the biggest way to go forward and to, to get the right to, uh, to stop rejecting some of those you know, those niche cultures that they think are, are nerds or whatever is, uh, can be probably difficult, but like, that's, that's going to be what's necessary to, to make that cultural push to change and to, and to win. Yeah. Well, DeSantis was really, really popular in this one. Um, the, the clip went really, really far. Um, when Biden was kind of alluding to how he wasn't necessarily listening to all the edicts and the uh, Santa said, you're damn right. I'm not listening to you. Um, just kind of seeing that ballsiness, if that's the right word to use to say that I'm standing up for my people. And this complements what you guys were just um, both talking about is essentially, Hey, I'm not allowing my individuals to be you know, trampled upon. I'm going to stick up for these people. And this is our, if you want to come in and be friendly, then, you know, you're good. But, you know, if you're going to bring this, if you're going to bring the crazy COVID culture, then I'm, I'm not tolerating it. So it, it just needs to be kind of a line drawn in the sand for a lot of people. And it, it makes some people uncomfortable to draw a line in the sand. But, um, you know, it, it needs to happen at a certain point. Well, I think that was pretty good, guys. Um, y'all got anything you want to plug or anything coming up? Give uh, give any shots you got, and we'll call it a show. Cool. Um, my band will be opening for Tommy Vexed, actually. Um, somebody that was uh, canceled um, here in Pennsylvania at Warndale Jurgles. Uh, I believe the date. Let me make sure I got this right. Um, so if anyone's here in Pennsylvania, we will be opening for Tommy Vexed on... Um, september the 6th which is right after labor day um so feel free to hit me up for tickets uh that's a common crown blood union i can't remember the supporting act and then tommy vex with lone wolves uh make sure you check out in liberty and health um i put out usually two to three episodes a week i've been kind of slowing down a little bit but uh you know that's where you could find me and uh you know search up a common crown if you want to hear my band and uh other than that thanks for having me on justin i appreciate it brother 
yeah, and you can follow me uh, on my tw Twitch channel, or you know, where I play video games, uh, Trey Future Daniel, and also uh, the, my Trace Think Tank uh, YouTube channel. I've been doing a little bit of uh, sort of the discussion type vid videos over there. So if you want to check that out, and uh, just just listen to sort of the more podcast format of me just kind of talking head, talking about things that I'm interested in, and uh, sort of trying to discuss topics that I'm uh, wanting to really dive deep into. So that's. Uh, appreciate you having me on, Justin. Yep. Thanks, guys, for joining me. And for everybody watching or listening, I will be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode. I I actually have a couple ideas, and I've just got to pick which one I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about for that one. And then don't forget to tune in next Sunday, where I'll be joined by Patrick, Connor, and Jason, where we're gonna talk about Blake Masters and the Mother Jones hit piece on him. Everybody, have a good rest of your day. <laughs>